What is up, Mentors Collective? Man, getting through life as an entrepreneur can be tough, and you need a special type of mental fortitude to be able to combat all of the hurdles and the roadblocks that are standing in front of you. And you need to be able to hone these skills as an entrepreneur, sharpen the knife that is your brain. And it can be tough, especially when times get tough. So that's why these conversations and these bits of advice are so important, because it's going to help you sharpen your knife so that you can break through any mental hurdle that comes your way. So with that being said, I'm super excited to announce my guest for today. Tez Steinberg's an endurance artist, explorer, and keynote speaker who tackles extreme expeditions to inspire others and help solve the issues of our time. In 2020, Tez became the first person in history to row from California to Hawaii alone with no prior rowing experience. Raised over $150,000 doing that in donations for social impact. He's founded four nonprofits and he's been named one of the 50 best young minds of the world by the World Economic Forum. Tez, I'm super pumped to have you on the show today. Welcome. Jay, thanks so much. Really glad to be here. Man, just reading about what you did rowing from California to Hawaii with no rowing experience. You're not even a rower. What inspires? I became one. Some, you became one. I bet <laughs> you became an expert during those, what, two, two and a half months that you were on that trip. What inspires somebody to, to seek an adventure like that that's so painful, gruesome, and unfamiliar? Why? Well, first of all, I don't recommend to anybody that you go and do that without some proper training. That was not the plan. Yeah, that was definitely not the plan. Um, but as far as what inspired it, you know, that's really the key is inspiration. So many people come up to me and they say, I could never do that. And the answer is, yeah, if you don't want to, if you're not inspired to, you can't. But if you are inspired, you'll find a way. And in my case, it was a setback in my life. In 2016, I was getting my MBA at London Business School. I was already an endurance athlete. I did Ironmans in college and then moved on to ultra marathons and was racing and getting my MBA and life was good. And then I got a call that changed my life. My father passed away and he actually took his own life. And in the grief after that, that is what made me searching for what I would do with my life, to leave a positive legacy, do something special, um, make the most of my time here on earth. And it was around that time I came across this idea called ocean rowing getting in a boat, rowing across an ocean. Some people do it in teams. I knew right away I would do it and I would do it by myself. That was in 2016. It took three and a half years until I finally got in my boat, which was a journey into itself. Tell me a little bit about that experience, doing that without any rowing experience, getting on the boat by yourself. Like, What were you feeling? What were those first few days like? I'd love to hear a little more. Yeah, well... It's like living a whole lifetime in the 71 days that I was at sea, 2,700 miles. And when I got in the boat, I had three days of training, three days of experience. Thought I would have more, but because of COVID lockdowns, when the boat was finished, there was just enough time to go and pick it up and stock it, get a little bit of training in a shallow bay in Washington, and then tow it down to California where I set out. And so when I got in the boat, it was a combination of different feelings, right? The first day was just kind of awe, like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing this. Here I am. I left at midnight because uh, I wanted to catch outgoing tide. And that was when a weather window opened up when there's calm winds so that when I rest, I'm not blown back towards shore. So I leave at midnight and when it gets clear and the sun comes up, I look around and it's such an alien, surreal place. I've never been to sea. And 
that was a magical day, man. There are humpback whales breaching out of the water, bubble netting. This was the Monterey wow. National Marine Sanctuary. So watching humpbacks all day long. And at the end of the day, four of them came and circled my boat. It was just incredible. And it felt as though the ocean had showed me what I could experience if I'm in for the ride. And things started to change really quickly after that. Weather changed, that wind, the weather window kind of ended. There was a Pacific hurricane about a thousand miles away. Wind and waves picked up. And by day three, conditions were so rough that I couldn't even row. I had to go into my cabin inside of my boat, strap myself down basically with a seatbelt, put a helmet on my head and just wait because I couldn't control the boat. And I spent days three, four, five, six, and then finally on day seven, things calmed down enough that I could go out and start rowing a little bit again. And as you can imagine in those days, everything is going through my head thinking, what the hell am I doing? This was the worst idea I've ever had in my life, battling my own demons as I mustered the courage to get back outside and, and try my hand at rowing. Right. Was there an eject button that you had in that boat where on day three, a hurricane runs through and you're slamming your head against the wall alone in the middle of the ocean? I would have pushed that eject button in immediately. Like, do you have one and what stopped you from doing that? So the boat is equipped with everything you might need for an expedition. I have solar panels that power my desalinator to produce drinking water, power my navigation, communication equipment, and my media equipment. Because while I'm out there, I'm sharing photos and videos and blogs and using that to raise funds, as well as inspire people to take action in their, in their lives and in the world together for a better world. Now, what this means is I have redundant systems so that if I need to get a rescue, I can call for rescue. In those first few days, I'm so close enough that the Coast Guard could come and get me. As I get further out to sea, it would be a passing vessel that would come to my aid and I'd have to abandon my boat. Now, I put three and a half years into this project, launched a crowdfund. People around the world were supporting this initiative, had sponsors, made all these promises and were doing, was doing this not just for my own healing as it started out, a quest to head out into sea so I could have perspective on the loss that I experienced. It turned into this campaign to raise scholarships for these international schools that changed my life. And I thought, I can't turn back now. I've just begun. This is just the start. I wanted a challenge. Why am I upset that I got one? Right? And so it felt as though I would never make it to Hawaii. But I told myself, maybe I won't. All we ever have is today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And paradoxically, in order to make progress, I actually had to disconnect, separate from the idea of progress, from the attachment of it, and just enjoy the moment. And so I said, I can quit, but I'm not going to quit today. Today, I just need to make a good day. And if that felt too ambitious, just make it a good morning. Just make it a good moment. Bring it right back to this moment. Find something to be grateful for. Look at the beauty around me. And that helped me keep going. A mindset like that, a positive mindset that's resilient enough to get through things like you endured is not something that's formed overnight, as I know, and uh, I'm sure you know as well. It's something that takes practice and you've done ultra marathons, you've done Ironmans. So all of these different experiences, you enduring physical pain, mental pain, mental challenges have sharpened your knife to be able to get through days like that. And I'd love to dive into some of the, the factors, the variables that go into sharpening that sword and giving you the ability to do that. Uh, the ones that I know about, are 
a couple that you've already mentioned, one being accountability. And you, you kind of mentioned this with the campaign mm -hmm. that you were, you, you had people following you, you had, you were raising money to, for a greater good. Uh, that's accountability that probably helped you persevere through that. People were watching and you, you felt personally responsible if you would have stopped. And the second one you mentioned very early on, which is the why you had a very strong, concrete reason for why you were there doing what you were doing. And if your why wasn't strong enough, you know, if you were, hadn't gone through that pain of losing, uh, losing your father, maybe you, you would have thrown in the towel. Uh, let's, let's talk about those two kind of variables and then anything else that might be involved in getting from a place where you're unable to handle mental hurdles to a very advanced level, like where you are today. What are those variables? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you hit on a couple of them. And the one thing I'll say about the why, the more that why can be externally oriented and that connects to the accountability piece, the stronger it's going to be. And this is validated not just from my own experience, but across research, performance research, looking at teams, organizations, individuals. It's super clear that when there's a purpose that's more in service to others, that people have much deeper wells of resilience and performance is just higher overall. So that was, that was definitely true in my case and something I've built over time, even in my earlier races, uh, my first Ironman, I dedicated to raising funds for the Minneapolis American Indian Center. Different, different ways of kind of connecting the activity to something outside of yourself tends to be really helpful. Yes. Um, as far as other variables, it, it really comes down to self-awareness, right? And this is underpinning both of those other pieces as well the purpose, the why, any accountability. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself in this situation where you're facing a setback, you're naturally going to have some resistance to keeping going. And it comes down to how much you can anticipate the excuses, the stories, the ideas that come up. If you know yourself well, you know what stories are going to come up. You also know on a clear and deep level what is that deeper motivation for you? What is that purpose? And so spending time in reflection is a great way to develop that muscle, that, that, that resilience. And every moment is an opportunity for this. People often, when I was training for my first row, people say, well, you must be spending all this time in the gym as if being the Hulk is going to get you across the ocean. The fact is right. everybody gets tired. doesn't matter what you're doing doesn't matter what race you're in. The people in the front are as tired as the people in the back. Everybody gets tired. It really comes down to the stories we tell ourselves, our mind and our heart. And every moment is an opportunity to practice that. When something doesn't go your way, whatever it might be, a meeting, a conversation, having awareness around what's coming up, emotional awareness, is actually one of the... the the most important fundamental skills uh, for overcoming any setback, whether it's a physical challenge or, or anything else in life. Yeah, I really like how you framed that. And I've heard this and I practice this in other forms, but really the, the reflection and knowing yourself to the mm -hmm. point where you can predetermine what excuses your brain is going to come up with before it happens so that you can be ready to react to them. And this is something that I practice in kind of my day-to-day -day life. For example, setting up my environment to go to the gym in the morning. I wake up and I know exactly what excuses my brain's going to mm -hmm. come up with and I know how to counteract them. Uh, for me, that's drinking uh, 200 milligrams of caffeine. As soon as I wake up, I leave it right next to my bed and I know immediately, boom, um, I don't have a choice. I'm going to the gym. 
Uh, so I wonder if that's related to kind of knowing what excuses you're going to come up with and being able to mentally fortitude yourself through them to the solution. Uh, is there anything that you do to set up your, your environment for success? Yeah, for sure. These are, you know, to your point, it's, it's habit stacking, right? Yes. Um, James Clear book, Atomic Habits talks about this. If you want to build a new habit, figure out either replace an existing habit or slot your new habit in between existing habits. And then it yes. becomes kind of seamless, right? So, you know, you wake up, you know, you reach for maybe your phone first thing in the morning. You say, okay, I put my caffeine right next to my phone. Um, I think uh, as far as setting up, setting up the environment for me, it's really figuring out what are the priorities across the board. Um, mm -hmm. my, a lot of my priorities in life have to do with health, fitness, and, and well-being. And so I bias towards those things, especially with sleep. Sleep for me is sacred. People will, you know, ask what's the number one thing you can do for your health. Am I going to go to the gym, do these other things? Start by getting enough sleep. Most people are totally under rested. And so, um, in my case, it's, it's having a consistent and early bedtime, all of those kinds of things, blue blockers, eating early, um, not drinking or not drinking in the evening, um, all those things to improve my quality of sleep. And then that actually cascades through everything else that I'm doing. I totally second uh, your notion on sleep. I totally agree. It's something that I track every day and I've got all kinds mm -hmm. of fun devices to help me sleep. And yeah. uh, later on in this episode, I don't want to give it all away right now. I'd love to ask you about your morning and nighttime routines. Typically high achiever guys, guys like you have tried uh, everything and I've got it dialed down to a pretty good list of what works for you. And I love to hear those lists. So let's save that for the end, but, uh, Great. sorry, you, you can continue. Sleep is important to you. Of course. Yeah. Sleep. Um, trying to think of off the top of my head, what other, how I, how I set up my environment for me, order, cleanliness, tidiness is really helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. this was, it, it can be hard to do in certain moments, but in moments of, on the ocean, right? Moments where I started realizing, wait a minute, I'm in this for the long haul. Um, let me tidy up the space. Because after spending weeks at sea and facing different setbacks, when I, when I started rowing again on day seven, right, the challenges didn't stop there. Uh, just a week later, my rowing seat broke and I had to figure out how to repair it. And I didn't have the right parts. Um, and so I spent the next month, day 15 to day 45, just running through different scenarios, wild, absolute Hail Mary pass ideas to try and save this thing uh, because I could either call for rescue or just give it my best, not knowing how far it would work. And through that month, I was just in a constant state of anxiety. And as a result, didn't really take care of the space around me. But as I started to clean up the space around me and, um, you know, simple things, just like could be when you look at your home life, it could be as simple as just making your bed, having an orderly space, tidying your desk. These kinds of things help so much. And when I did that on my boat, that then helped me think a little bit more clearly and then come up with this really creative idea that actually helped me fix my rowing seat after a month of, of trying all these wild ideas. Um, I melted plastic in my camp stove wow. and made bearings by hand to replace bearings that were grinding to dust in my rowing seat. And then that, when, I, when that lasted two days, I realized I have enough plastic to make it the rest of the way across the ocean. And that was the day everything changed. I went from struggling through this experience to having this inner belief that I would make it. And the, the, the wild thing is 
on an external level, nothing changed. Everything that was in my, in my sphere of influence remained the same. The resources I had, the parts I had, et cetera. You know, I know your, your uh, audience here, audience here is entrepreneurs, builders, people who are creating stuff. And it, often when we're facing a setback, we, it's easy to say, well, it would be different if I had the resources or if I had a different team or if I had this or that. And I was in that trap myself. If only I had the right parts, if only I had different tools, if only I had a seat that was working. But suddenly I fixed it. And the whole experience shifted where I started loving this experience. And I started to tell myself, everything I need is in my boat. That little mantra was super helpful. And so coming back to your question of what helps, you know, build that resilience, have a positive mindset, think about opportunities for growth instead of, instead of challenge. Little mantras that help reground and reorient in moments of challenge. Coming up with a mantra that's specific to you, that resonates with you is really helpful. For me in that moment, it was everything I need is in my boat. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And it kind of goes back to self-awareness, like you mentioned earlier, and your priorities in life and creating that mantra for yourself. That's all dependent on how well you know yourself to be able to come up with a mantra that's going to push you through things like that. And I love the story about the bearings. I feel like that's a lot of entrepreneurial traits that are leaking over into your experience as an endurance athlete, uh, which is a great segue into my next question, which is how do you think they're related? How do you think your success as an endurance athlete has affected your career, your, your journey as an entrepreneur and vice versa? Gosh, they're part and parcel. It's really quite similar. Um, you know, there's, there's some truth in life where our superpowers can also be our shadow. Hmm. Something you're really, really good at can also be your downfall, your Achilles heel, if you don't manage it perfectly. And it's just having awareness around these things. As an entrepreneur, uh, I've learned that I'll throw myself in the deep end. Sign up for some really audacious, bold challenge, not exactly knowing what's going on, what, what, what's required for it. And there's a degree of naivete that sometimes entrepreneurs have, which yes. is what allows entrepreneurs <laughs> to go attempt really daring challenges. And so the idea that I could learn to row across an ocean while not being a sailor, not being a rower, um, that's a very entrepreneurial idea. This idea that we can grow to achieve our goals. It's not a question, can I achieve my goal today? It's a question, can I grow into the person who can achieve that goal? And that frame of mind is very entrepreneurial, saying, I don't know how yet, but I'll find out. I'll grow into the person who can do that. Um, that's definitely something I've learned over years, founding different nonprofits and social impact organizations. And the row under my brand, the United World Challenge, that's the, the nonprofit umbrella for my expeditions, as I created the United World Challenge campaign and raised funds to fund the expedition and then for the scholarship funds, all of that was a very entrepreneurial activity, and it's really grounded in that ethos that we can grow to achieve our goals and roll other people in this vision and, and build something bigger together. Yeah, it's really well said. Uh, a mentor of mine, Peter Sage, uh, if you're in this world, you might be familiar with him. He's actually doing one of these rowing challenges soon. But the principle that kind of humans are built for growth and we're only happy when we're growing. 
Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you just try and wait for, you know, the end of the race to try and be happy that you finished it, you accomplished it. Same thing for entrepreneurs. I'm going to make $10 million and then I'm going to be happy. If you subscribe to that mindset, you're never going to be happy. But the person that you have to become and grow into in order to get that thing done, you know, finish the race, make the $10 million, that journey is really the the part where you should be enjoying uh, looking at retroactively and, and, and really finding fulfillment in. So a lot of, a lot of crossover there. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're only looking forward to fulfillment at the completion of whatever your goal is, then, you know, you're missing out on life. Uh, I right. think that comes back to uh, death is a wonderful teacher, right? It reminds us that the, the most precious resource we have is time. And while we might be, I'm personally inspired to achieve big things in my life. I also try and keep myself accountable to enjoy the day because ultimately that's all we have. Yeah. And the mindset I think helps you bring awareness to that. Uh, so often we set these goals, we hit them and then it's like, Oh, what's next? You feel no different. Uh, so you really need to be able to enjoy the process, uh, each day and mindfulness, uh, is a good exercise that helps you be able to do that. Uh, what's your opinion on gratitude work? Do you do anything like that? Do you journal? Do you do anything to sharpen your knife on a day-to-day basis? Mindfulness work? Yeah, absolutely. I use an app in the morning when I wake up. This is kind of segue into your morning and evening routine question. So Let's get into it. I wake up. I use an app called Five Minute Journal. Super simple. Um, uses a few prompts. One of the prompts is, what are three things you're grateful for? I try not to stop at three. I come up with a list. And, um, yeah, I do that in the morning, but I also do this at other moments in life. Um, it can be hard remembering that this is something to do. So it's kind of awareness is not just awareness of the moment, but awareness of the awareness, right. To remember, okay, this is the time to bring that in. I've learned this is helpful while running races as an ultra marathoner, I would get to a spot in a race where I'm feeling tired, worn out, wondering what I'm doing. And I would start playing a little game and I would say, I'm so glad and finish the sentence again and again and again, come up with different things that I'm glad about. The word grateful can be a little bit, can feel off like a little forced or preachy, like choose whatever word is good for you. I'm so glad. And I would play that until I got to a point while running where I say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that my problem is that my legs hurt because I'm running 50 miles right now. Like, this is a good problem to have. Let's keep going. I've got my energy back. Let's go. So um, from a gratitude practice, definitely in the morning at different times like that. And then I try and cap off my day with another uh, brief reflection before I go to bed. Yeah, practicing perspective is such a good exercise. And that's the I'm glad at. Like, I'm glad I have my legs hurt. I have legs. I was able to do this for 50 miles. And that's, I think, a superpower of uh, endurance athletes like yourself. I talked to several of them and their ability to manipulate perspective uh, on a moment's notice. You can just kind of reach into your tool belt and do that. It's something that a lot of people are missing that you might mm-hmm. even take for granted, just uh, granted as somebody who's been doing this for so long, but it is a superpower. Uh, and it's a, it's a very cool one. Uh, with that being said, let's segue into morning and nighttime routines. What does your day look like from the moment you wake up? So like I said, kick off with the five-minute journal app. Um, what time? You know, it varies. I don't wake up with an alarm. Um, about once a month, I have to use an alarm um, because of travel or a particular meeting. But I don't start meetings before 8 or 8.30. I tend to wake up around 7, naturally. 
give myself about nine hours in bed, about eight hours of sleep every night, um, and just sleep until my body is ready to wake up. Um, and so once I'm up, do a quick journal. Um, I might do five minutes of meditation, depending on the day. Um, make my morning cacao. I don't really drink much coffee. I, 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 once I started sleeping enough and improving my diet, making different changes, I realized I don't really need caffeine except in special occasions. So have a nice morning cacao beverage um, and then dive into work. I make a, I, before, be part, of, part of my five-minute journal is making a list of goals for the day. And so then that kind of informs what are my action items? What do I dive into? And um, try and clear my morning to have the most focused time and then have the afternoon be more meetings, interviews, conversations, um, in case there's a little bit of lull in energy then. Use the meetings for that time and then a workout late afternoon, early evening. Dinner, a sauna. I've got a sauna in my living room. So a sauna or an Epsom salt bath. Um, and then wind down, blue blockers, turn off technology, maybe read a little bit and uh, try and be in bed by about 10. One common theme that I also hear from ultra endurance athletes like yourself is that you don't really use caffeine or other stimulants. And one big problem that I've seen amongst entrepreneurs and everybody, honestly, now nowadays is addiction to stimulants like caffeine, like Adderall, like other, like Ritalin. Uh, and endurance athletes don't seem to need it despite your high effort, high work days. Did you ever use stimulants oh, like caffeine? How did you, just, uh, how are you able to, to wean yourself off of that? Look, they're really powerful and really helpful. And so there's definitely a time and a place for it. And, and also you look at life and seasonality. There are periods of life where it might be necessary. Um, if I become a parent, bet your ass I'm probably going to be drinking a lot of coffee. Um, you're right. And you're in a super intense startup phase of a company. Like this isn't where you want to be for five years straight, but you need to grind for six months or a year, you know, have some understanding with yourself. That there's seasonality to these things. Um, but in my case in late 2018, I was not in a great spot. I had already decided to do this ocean row. I was working full-time for Deloitte as a, a manager with Deloitte consulting and then nights and weekends planning this row on the side. And I was super burned out. Would wake up in the morning. I needed to have two full French presses, so like six cups of coffee, highly strong, just to have a mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. Not to, you know, say, okay, be at my best, literally to have a conversation. And I realized, okay, something's really wrong here. So I reached out to, I talked to my therapist. I said, hey, I think this is bigger than just like cognitive therapy. Like, is there someone you'd recommend me to? He connected me with a um, psychiatrist. And she said, yeah, I mean, there could be some ADD things going on because I had other symptoms like that. She said, I, but really, we need to start with blood work. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, sure. So we do this blood test and you know, I've been doing endurance sports for 10 years. I considered myself to be quite healthy. I was so off the mark on so many measures. Really? My iron was low. My B vitamins were low. My cholesterol was low. Um, all sorts of things. Um, C-reactive protein, which is a, a measure of inflammation. It's, a, it's one of the proxies used to indicate risk of a cardiac event. Um, it's just a general inflammation marker. was yeah. really, really high. 
So I realized, wow, I'm really not responding to stress well, and I don't have good baseline reserves of these really essential um, f- components of health. So at that point, um, I couldn't go off caffeine overnight, but I started doing a number of things, changing my diet, removing alcohol, um, beginning a number of supplements, all these different things. I started with like 10 things in the start of 2019. Now I take like, uh, this is part of the morning and night routine. I have a morning box of supplements and a night box of supplements. I love supplements. Do... Let's hear what supplements you take or recommend. Oh my gosh. You got, I got a big stack. I probably do about 30 supplements a day. I actually these... had to drop mine from like 30 to 10 because my liver enzymes started to go up from having to process so many supplements. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's worth, <laughs> worth keeping an eye on that for sure. Yeah. Um, so I've got my core ones that I take, but go ahead. Let, let's hear what your stack looks like. You don't have well, to go through all 30, but maybe top yeah. recommended ones. Yeah. Some of the top ones, um, I work with a company called uh, Acuri Nutraceuticals. They make NMN, nicotinamide mononucleide. Um, big fan of that. Um, recently started Pregnenolone um, and, and some herbal supplements, uh, Tanki Ali. These different things that, um, look, we know that I'm 35 years old. We know that testosterone starts to fall in the mid 30s. Um, and then falls fairly precipitously as you, as you age. And so when I'm looking ahead to where I want to be at 40, 50 years old, I don't want my testosterone to start falling now. And to listeners out there who are like, well, why is that so important? Testosterone got a bad rep by people doing steroids. And you think of testosterone as people who are overjacked, highly reactive, aggressive. That's not testosterone. Think of a it's man. It's also potentially one of the causes of people having low energy. If their testosterone a- starts to drop. Absolutely. Yeah. And so think of a man who's grounded, clear, loving, purposeful. Uh, that is actually a sign of healthy balance of testosterone. And so I've started some supplement regime around um, natural support for endogenous testosterone production. Those are, those are a few of the, of the I think those two. Right uh, eventually, we'll probably start something a little bit more serious when my testosterone level starts to drop past the point of uh-huh. being able to help it with herbals. Uh, but I agree, man. If there's any men listening to this episode and you're in your late 30s, early 40s or older, and this is not something that you've checked or monitor and you're starting to feel any changes to your libido or your energy levels, your ability to build muscle mass, go get your testosterone levels checked. Actually, send me a DM. I'll send you a link to get a free test. Uh, it's something that I monitor very closely. Uh, so I'm glad you, you brought that up, especially when you're talking about energy levels and mental fortitude. Your eagerness to go get things done, to build things, to grow as a person, directly influenced by testosterone. So definitely something for those guys out there to, to keep mm-hmm. an eye on. Mm-hmm. Taz, tell me a little bit about your business projects. You run multiple nonprofits. What are your goals there? What What is going on with these nonprofits? So just from a place in time, right, it's early 2023 right now. So currently my priorities, I am planning my next expedition with the United World Challenge. It's not yet public. Really excited to announce that at the end of this year. I'll begin it in December. So what I'm doing right now is bringing on some new sponsors and partners to carry that world record expedition out. Um, And that's going to focus on ocean conservation. So working with organizations helping solve the global ocean plastic crisis. Um, planning at some, some research as part of this, partnering with Scripps Institution of Oceanography and, and some other marine, excuse me, uh, marine researchers. So that's kind of one vertical, one bucket. Working on a documentary, which is very exciting. Oh, fun. 
Yeah, there's a company I met about a year ago uh, through um, a summit that happens on Necker Island, Richard Branson's Island. It's this January get-together every year of ocean impact uh, innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. While I was there a year ago, connected with this film team that are now making a documentary about my journey, um, using archival footage of the first row, shooting interviews, um, and there they're, will be gathering footage of my next expedition. Um, cool. So Do you have a timeline on when the next expedition is set to happen so that we can yeah, follow ex- and stay in tune? Absolutely. The expedition will begin in December of this year. Um, cool. So I'll be making announcements about that on, on the socials through Tez Steinberg, my own channels, and the channels uh, with United World Challenge. And the film will be coming out at the end of 2024. So that's super exciting. Um, and then the other vertical, there's, there's a few more, but the, other, the third primary is, is keynote speaking. So conversations like this around growth, mindset, resilience, purpose, those are conversations I love to have with um, in boardrooms, on stages, and just helping people grow towards their goals. So I, I offer keynotes and workshops with my business, Tez Talk. Well, appreciate it, brother. I think if a couple people can hear conversations like this and get inspired to go change the world, do something productive, then there's no greater calling in the world than being able to do that for somebody else. And I am pumped to follow your next journey in December uh, across. Where, where are you rowing in this next one? Well, I haven't yet announced that. I'm holding the cards on that one. Um, but I'll, I'll make the announcement in September and then begin the expedition in December of 2020. All right, cool, brother. I'm excited to see where the row is. Keep me informed so that I can let the, the, let the audience know. And if you want to follow the, the journey, I will link all of Tez's socials uh, down in the description so you don't have to look too far. And Tez, I had a blast talking, talking with you today. Uh, there's someone I want to link you with, Trash Call, and he's one of the premier like ocean cleanup TikTokers that okay. I think will be a really good contact. Uh, awesome. but this is a blast, Tess. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it.